0: And who was blessed during this last couple of weeks of fasting? Who participated in it, at least to the best of their ability? I, I'll be honest, it was definitely a challenging time for me, um, but it was good, and um, I need it, and I need to find more ways to regularly make fasting a part of my life. But um, speaking of other good things, Noah did a great job last week, Danny. So But... Um, and other good things is that we are entering into fall season. And um, I love fall. It doesn't feel fully to fall to me like here because it's still really hot. And uh, I, yeah, and supposedly winds are coming, and um, I wish my house was made out of bricks, uh, but we'll see what happens. But I, I love fall. I love the, the trees changing colors, I love cooler weather. Um, I love pumpkin spice, Um, had my pumpkin spice latte this morning, I I bookmarked a a recipe for pumpkin oatmeal iced cookies or something, that sound really good, I'm going to try and figure out if I can make those, Um, though there are some things that go way too far pumpkin spice wise, Um, at Sam's Club this week we saw tortilla chips that were pumpkin spice, I'm like, who does that? I don't think a single one was gone, because obviously no one's going to buy that, um, but another big fall thing for me is football, right? You guys like football? Anybody? We're excited to be back in football season. Um, I'm a Lions fan, um, so yeah. Sorry, you know, feel bad for me. It's true. Um, but we've won a game already, and we've almost won two others. And see, for a Lions fan, almost winning, we have to count because you know we really don't have much more to count. So we don't cry if we think that. But this season, we're the third highest scoring team this year. And last year, our old quarterback won the Super Bowl. So like the Lions are doing pretty good. Things are looking up for us. Yeah, you got to find all those positive fans. But um, who are your favorite NFL teams? I'm going to count to three. Just shout it out. I'll remember them all. Okay, one, two, three. Perfect. Got it all in. I have no idea what you said. Did I hear any Packers fans out there? Oh, there's a Packers fan over there. I'm sorry. Um, But I thought I finally got away from all of those. Um, Yeah, but in light of football season kicking off, and uh, despite that I'm fairly opposed to anything Packers, one of their old coaches, Vince Lombardi, was one of probably the greatest and still one of the most quoted coaches of all times. Now, Vince Lombardi was a fanatic about the fundamentals. If you look into how he coached and, and all those things he was... They spend majority of their time in practice doing the basics over and over again. Those who played under his leadership spoke of his intensity, his drive, and his endless enthusiasm for the guts of the game. Time and time again, he would come back to these basic techniques about blocking and tackling or just how to hold on to the ball or perfecting the transitions between handoffs and things like that. And on one occasion, his team, the Packers, lost to an inferior squad. It's bad enough for them to lose, bad enough to lose to that team. It was unexcusable, and it was probably the Lions. But Coach Lombardi called a practice the next morning instead of giving them their day off. And the men came in, and they sat really silent, looking more like you know, people who whipped you know, little puppies more than team of champions that they were going to become. And they had no idea what to expect from this man that they feared the most. And gritting his teeth and staring holes into each athlete one at a time, He said, gentlemen, this morning, we're going back to the basics. And he held up a football in front of all of them and said, gentlemen, this is a football. (laughs) Right? It's a little crazy to think that that the coach of an NFL football team is introducing a football to (laughs) professional football players. But under Vince Lombardi, he took the Packers from a 1-10 in season to three straight and five total national football league championships within seven years in addition to winning the first two Super Bowls following 1966 and 67 seasons. But Vince Lombardi goes back and he gives all the credit to being focused on the basics. Now, you guys are like, what does this have to do with the church? We're not a football team. But that's actually it. We're the Knicks pro team. For, no, I'm just kidding. You guys look scared. Uh, right? So that's why we're going over some basics today. This is a football. Uh, but there's a lot to learn from going... Back to the basics. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I believe that this church and really all Christians, we're all called to something great, not because of who we are, not because of us being humans, but because we have greatness living inside of us. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is in us and He is the greatest of all things. And so, because of that, we are called to greatness. And I think the church should be, and I'm shitting on purpose, okay? Uh, it should be the greatest institution in the world. But we're not really looked like that at all, you know? Mostly because the church is not doing what greatness requires. The author, Joshua Medcalf, said, everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires. Right? In the book, Pound the Stone, um, Seven Lessons to Develop Grit on the Path to Mastery by Joshua Medcalf, he digs into these things that he believes greatness requires. But they're all built around this idea of pounding the stone. That a stone cutter, you know, repeatedly pounds into this stone. And they don't know how many hits it's going to take for this stone to break. But if they stop before it breaks, they'll never get to the breaking point. But they don't know if it's, you know, hit 90 or hit 50 or hit 101. They don't just go out and say, I'm going to hit 100 times and see what happens. You hit until it breaks. And often life looks like that, right? The the very things that greatness requires is you just repeating something without seeing the difference until one day the difference is made. Those things that greatness requires, they're not often glamorous or exciting, right? Greatness requires sticking to the basics and getting those things down to the best of our ability. In the book, he goes on to say that greatness requires more grit and determination, character and persistence, than nearly any member of the human race are willing to develop. Talent is overrated, but the ability to pound the stone day in and day out, year after year, until, the fin- the, until finally the stone splits, that is the rarest, most valuable asset on the planet. And I guarantee that if you develop it, you will be great in whatever you do. See, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an external prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Right, without getting these basics down, we're giving up our ability to win the race. That's why Paul said, I have to be purposeful. I need to be intentional with each step. I need to be disciplined in my faith. Another quote from the book Pound of Stone says, life is determined by inches. Lots of small, insignificant things that added up and compounded over time will determine the trajectory of your life. Most people focus on all the big stuff failing to realize that it is the little stuff that makes all the difference. As we're building something new here, we're building something again into whatever God has for us, but it's not gonna happen in the big things. It's gonna happen with these small foundational things that we start to put into place and we discipline into our lives and we make it habits of, of ease kind of because we're so used to it. That's what's gonna build this church and build us and build our community up. When you think of your favorite athletes, they're not good because they play awesome. Right? They are so good because they have the basics down so easy that it's instinct for them so everything that they do just looks a lot better. We as Christians need to get these basics down to become just our normal habits, day in and day out, not stuff that we have to strive to do so that we can be a part of these awesome things of God. In this new series, Back to the Basics, we're going to look at the basics of Christianity. We're going to look at how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to witness, and worship, and and those type of topics, right? And now, if you've been in the church for a long time, I saw some of you guys' eyes glaze over when you're like, basics, I got that down, right? And uh, don't, don't do that, okay? It's just not helpful, right? This is a football, okay? Uh, But. Simplicity is the key to becoming great at something. Um, something that I, I love to follow, like humans doing crazy feats, whether they're running for you know 200 miles nonstop or they're you know accomplishing these big, long trails or they're bicycling really far, just things that is kind of beyond the, the normal human thing. And when you listen to them and you talk to them or even, you know, I, one, of, one of my favorite interviews with... Uh, Someone from the Olympics, I don't remember who it was, but he beat, you know, this world record. And they're like, man, how did you do that? And he's like, well, it's just putting one foot in front of the other, you know? (laughs) And um, which, I mean, yes, but no, like, I can put one foot in front of the other, but I'm not beating a world record. But to them, it's as simple as just putting one foot in front of the other. It's nothing more. And so when we're looking at these things of Christianity, don't shy away from it because you're like, well, I've been there, I've heard those things. But take a moment and refine. Take a moment and say, can I do it better? Can I be more purposeful? Can I be more intentional? Because I know that every time that I preach a message on these things, that it reminds me of something that I've forgotten in my life or that I'm not being as intentional on anymore and different things. And so we can all find somewhere to focus better, I guess. And today we're going to focus on how to pray. Now, I've noticed that just kind of among Christians that there's kind of some uncomfortableness to praying, especially praying out loud or praying for other people. Um, It's just like, oh, I don't know what to do. And today, I I hope that you walk out of here saying, oh, I I can do this. And that's the goal with every one of these things in the series is either to remind you that you can do it or to teach you an easier and better way to be able to grasp it and be able to do these things and make them a part of your life. Now, I think there's a few reasons that people are afraid to pray, especially out loud, is that, you know, number one reason is that they don't know the official language of prayer, which is the obvious King James Version, right? Uh, you never learn the rules like thee before thou except after thine, you know? And now, but more seriously, I feel that we've heard some elaborate prayers, and that makes us afraid of, of praying because I, I don't know the right Christianese. I don't know the right words to say, like, those people prayed, so why would I pray if they, they pray so much more, you know, better and beautiful and things? And it, it, maybe it seems kind of scary to follow that up. But the other reason I think, and it kind of goes hand in hand with why people are afraid to pray, is that no one has taught them how. And we just expect people to know. And we're going to be in Matthew 6 today, if you want to turn there um, in your Bible app or with your paper Bible. And this isn't just something that's new to today. Right? If you don't feel comfortable praying and you want to know how, the disciples asked this exact same question in Luke 11.1. 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Right? Jesus' own disciples had been seeing him pray, had seen John pray, seen the Pharisees pray, and they didn't feel comfortable praying, and they went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples, right? And I don't know if they wanted to pray like John the Baptist or they just wanted to be taught because John taught, but all that we know is that they were uncomfortable and they wanted to know how to pray. We talked a few weeks ago about community and how we want to be a group of travel guides, spiritual travel guides. And and some of this, as we go through this, maybe you're like, man, I actually feel really comfortable praying. Then maybe that's where you need to find someone who's not and become their travel guide. And show them how. So that not just are they hearing a message, but they're being walked alongside by someone saying, hey, I'm going to help you through that and help you to learn and I and answer your questions and be there for you. And as we go through this series, you'll probably find multiple places where you feel pretty comfortable with it. But there's other people around that are going to need you to be that travel guide. And so some of what we're learning is just going to be kind of standards of what we want to teach and spread so that as new Christians come into our church, we're capable to be that travel guide for them and that we're stepping up and walking alongside them. But I think one of the issues of of prayer in the church is that unlike previous generations, a lot of people coming to the church weren't raised in a Christian home. They didn't see their parents pray. They didn't have people praying over their meals. They didn't have people praying with them before bed or things like that. So they don't know how to pray in the same ways that that some of us grew up or you might have grown up. And so we need to be there to show others how to pray just like Jesus was able. So this is what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 5 through 8. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. We know some people like that, probably. You know. uh, but don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. When I hear this section of Scripture what I hear is that God just wants us to talk to him. He's not asking for our prayers to be showy. He doesn't want them to be long or filled with big words. Jesus himself actually said, that's just babbling. God already knows what you need and what you're going to tell him. All he wants is the communication. He wants the connection. He wants you to talk to him. As Jesus said, when it comes to prayers between you and him, do it in private. Don't make a show of it in front of people. Now, that does not mean in this section of scripture that there's no reason to pray in public, right? Um, Throughout scripture, you find Jesus himself and his disciples praying for people in public places, or we've been commanded to lay hands on each other and pray for one another when they're sick and things. So praying in public is okay, but when you're just having a conversation with God, you don't need to make a show of it is what Jesus is teaching there. Now, I grew up in church. Like I said, my dad's a pastor, and uh, he is a great godly man, who also loves to hear himself pray. Uh, I, I, we used to call him the king of long prayers. And it was like, don't ask him to pray for your food because the food will be cold before we get there. <laughs> and, uh, but what I've come to love from my dad is his prayers are not showy. They're long because he loves to talk with God. You know, And sometimes I don't want him to love to talk to God when I want to eat pizza. But, but I grew up watching that. And I thought, I have to pray long. That's what you do. My dad does that. He's a pastor. He's the most spiritual person I know. I have to pray long. And so that's like just kind of how I grew up. And I, um, I, I went to master's commission, which was a discipleship program right after high school. And in that group, I had a friend named Tim. And uh, every morning, we gathered together. We did worship together. And uh, then one of us would kind of lead morning prayer time and just kind of wrap up worship. And we'd go about our day. And... Uh, It was Tim's morning to lead the prayer time, and uh, he got up and he said, hey God, uh, it's me Tim, and uh, we're excited to talk to you this morning because you're amazing, and it's cool that we get to talk to you, and I'm thankful that we have this time to worship you, and would you just be with us today as we work on our things? Love you God, amen, and I'm pretty sure he like, (laughs) air high five God, and went and sat down, and I was like, what kind of prayer is that, you know? man, they're so short. God probably like, I didn't even hear that. I just finally tuned in and he was already done. What did he he even say? And, um, you know, I just like critiquing this prayer in my head. And then the reality was I was actually kind of frustrated with myself because his short prayer was so much more real than any prayer that I felt like I had prayed. Because it was just there it was just him talking to a friend. It was just him stating what he needed, why he was excited about it in the end and moved on. And I realized I was watching him talk to fr- like talk to God as a friend. And I wasn't treating God as a friend in my prayers. Like, man, my friends would be really annoyed if that's how I talked to them. Like every one sentence I wanted to tell them I actually turned into a paragraph. You know, they'd be like, Man, do you ever just shut up? And my friends said that anyways, but <laughs> God just wants us to talk to him as a friend. You don't need special words. You don't need a special language. Just talk to him as you talk. In a language you're comfortable with, there's no specific format. There's no set length you need to reach. Nothing like that. So what do we talk to him about during prayer? Well, Jesus continued in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. To God be the glory and honor and power forever. Amen. This is known as the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys have heard of this? Right? It's printed on a whole lot of things, usually with some nice prayer hands um, following it. But... And now, now I don't think that this is a bad thing to pray, so so don't get me wrong here, but I don't think it was Jesus' intention for us to repeat repeat this prayer word for word. And I I don't think anything bad will happen if you do. I, I think that if you really mean these words, that it's a great prayer. But often we repeat it because we're just told that that's what you pray. But I believe what Jesus is teaching these people how to pray, right? This is a general outline Roughly for what prayer should look like, because he's trying to give them some some help on how to pray on their own. We know that this is not what Jesus prayed every time, because we see Jesus' prayers recorded throughout Scripture. There's, you know, John 15 or 17, you know, in a a couple chapters on one way or the other is just him praying to God. And what he didn't do is just repeat the Lord's Prayer over and over again. But what the Lord's Prayer is is a simple outline. For us to just have a general idea of how to pray. Because, okay, cool, Jesus. Like, you don't want me talking too much, but I need to talk some. I don't do it on the corner. I should do it in private. You know, all these things, but what do I actually say to God? And he's like, well, you know, here, let's look at this. And he says, you know, start off with praising God. Talk about why he's good. Why he's so great. Invite him into your day. Invite them into your situation. Say, God, man, I want you to come. Your kingdom come. That's why he said that. Jesus, will you just be here with me today? Ask for the things that you need. You know, at that time, they used the phrase daily bread. Just ask for the things that you need. Ask for forgiveness, because I'm sure we need it. Right? Ask for help. You know, the, deliver me from temptation. You know, deliver me from the evil one. That type of thing. God, God just give me the ability to, to live for you today. And then we finish with more of God's awesomeness. And we we do that not just because he deserves it, but I think that sometimes we just go into prayer and we're thinking of all the things we need help with and we we leave prayer feeling pretty helpless and hopeless because now our mind's just concentrated on all the hardships or the, the pain or whatever we're going through. But if you start off with and you end with why God is so great, then that's the attitude you leave your prayer in. Of, I don't really have to worry about this situation because my God is so great, he's gonna handle it. He's gonna take care of these things, right? And even going into your prayer, you talk about how great God is, so then when you get to those things that you're like, God, I know you can handle this. This is easy peasy for you, lemon squeezy. (laughs) But then we end our prayers with the word amen. And amen means so be it. It comes from the Hebrew word meaning truth. But it, it's this like, like faithful, firm, like this is true. And so when we say, God, come and help me today. Amen. You're saying, God, I know you're taking care of it. Basically, you're saying, I'm, I'm letting it out of my hands because it's yours. So be it. Whatever you do with it from here, it's no longer my problem. I've passed it over to you. So why should we pray? First off, it's just it's because God wants that from us. He wants the conversation. He wants the connection. Right? In Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? We pray because often we're looking for peace. And the best way to get peace is to hand it all over to God and so be it. I think people misunderstand this verse a lot, especially when it comes to the idea of anxiety and anxious, you know, being anxious. Because they stop at that first section where it says, do not be anxious about anything. And they put a period instead of a comma. That scripture is commanding us to not be anxious. But that scripture does not say that. This scripture actually says, be anxious about everything. It's literally what it says. You know, remove those comments. Like, but in every situation, be anxious is how this is worded. But then it says how to be anxious correctly with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to God. Take it to God. Right? And so, so often, especially in church, we tell people, oh, your anxiety, like, that's not godly because scripture says to not be anxious. But no, like what it's really saying is, man, give it to God. Take it to him in all the ways, prayer and petition and thanksgiving and your requests. And you go before God and say, man, I'm so thankful for everything you've put in my life. I'm thankful that I have a God that's strong enough to handle all of my issues. And so God, can you take care of this? And then that's where peace comes in. The over kind of arching theme of prayer is that God just wants to Connect. He wants to be with you. He's this personal God trying to have a relationship. And conversation is a major part of a relationship. In Psalm 139, 17 through 18, it says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I love the picture of this verse because God is constantly waiting for us to come to him and to talk to him. He's thinking about us more than anybody else ever has. And he's just waiting for us to wake up and come to him. Like, when I wake up, you are still with me. Like, David's saying, you're still there. Really, the whole chapter of 139 is great. But if you really want to see your prayer life change, you have to spend time talking to God. Think back to the first time you hung out with your now best friend. Or maybe your spouse. I bet there was some awkward conversation moment. I mean, there's some long pauses where you didn't really have anything to say, and then you both started to say something, and then it was awkward because you both started, and then you're fighting over who gets to go next, you know, and, and it's weird, and it's uncomfortable. And so prayer is going to be like that because you're, you're starting this relationship, and it's going to be some awkward moments, and you're going to be like, wait, oh, uh, maybe God was trying to tell me something I don't really know, and, and, uh, you know, and you're back and forth on all these things, or you don't know what to say. But the more time, the more you get these basics down and and you make it an intentional discipline in your life, the more prayer becomes just hanging out with your best friend. Not only do you become comfortable talking with God, but you start to know his voice. Just like you know your, your best friend's voice or your spouse. There's nothing greater than that. And prayer is a conversation between you and God. And that means in your own prayer time, you should probably leave room for him to talk. Right, man, how annoying would it be if your best friend never gave you a moment to talk, right? Probably wouldn't be your best friend. Um, But just like showed up, blah, 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 anyway, so be it, bye. And moved out and you're like, what? And, And that's what we do, right? You have that friend who only reaches out when they need help, right? Are you that person to God? That verse in Psalm 139 says that he has countless thoughts about you. Don't you think that he wants to share them with you? So be quiet in your prayer time and let him speak. Don't be someone that runs in, blasts him with a bunch of stuff and runs off. And this allows you to keep prayer going throughout your whole day. Stay in conversation with him. First Thessalonians 5 just says, pray without ceasing. It's, that's the whole verse of 17. Pray without ceasing. It's like, well, how do I do that? I gotta have all these I have to work and I sleep. But you can have open conversations with God throughout your whole day. When you're driving in your car, hey God, what's you thinking right now? What's up? What's going on? You know, or even moments in silence when you're together and you're not hearing anything, but you're still just in his presence, that is still prayer. I remember um, when Victoria and I were dating engaged time. Waste. We dated for one month and then got engaged. And uh, for the first few months of our engagement and the one month of dating, we lived three hours away from each other. And uh, so we'd talk on the phone every night. Did you know you can talk on a phone? I, I don't think we do that anymore. But uh, every night we would talk on the phone. And most of the nights, Victoria would fall asleep at some point. And, uh, and sometimes I'd fall asleep. You know, you'd wake up and I'm still like, the phone's still on my face, and it's like a thousand degrees because it's been on for so long. And, uh, you know, and you're like, hello? Are you up? And, you know, it's just snoring. And, uh, but uh, she's like, I can't believe you just said that. Uh, but I don't hang up the phone because it's still like a connection I have with her. And it was the most I could have in that moment, right? But we weren't having a conversation. We weren't discussing anything, but it was just like our presence was known to each other. And prayer can be that too. Prayer can be just sitting with God in the silence and having that connection. Jesus continued talking about prayer in the next chapter, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. He said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread and you do not, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to answer your prayers, He wants to give good gifts. Sometimes our prayers will not be answered the way that we want, right? Sometimes it's just a no or a not right now or it comes in a way we weren't expecting. You know, just like when you were a child or if you have kids as a parent, your, your kids ask for something that you know will endanger their lives and uh, you have to tell them no, right? You don't give it to them because you're like, this will kill you. Like You're not responsible enough with this. Yeah, and God's kind of that same way with us at times. Like, I get that's what you want, but if I gave that to you, you know how harmful it would be for your life? And so sometimes we get a no answer, but it's really because God is looking out for the best from us. But God is still a good father who wants to answer our prayers. But does that mean that we will still have moments that our prayers go unanswered? For sure. Often, though, they're just answered in a way that's different than what we ask. And there's many reasons we don't see prayers answered. Um, From our request not being within God's will, like I said, it's not what he wants for us. Sometimes it's sin in our lives um, that leads us to not having enough faith, or maybe we're not persistent enough. So if you're praying for something and you haven't seen the answers, you you can start with those type of ideas. But instead of focusing on why doesn't God answer our prayers, I want to take some time and, and look at what increases our chances for our prayers to be answered. Because the first thing is praying for things that are within God's will. Right? You may say, well, how, how the heck am I supposed to know God's will? I can't, I can't know that, so how can I pray that? Romans 12 two says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Right? It says, then you will learn to know God's will. So the more time we spend with Jesus in prayer, the more we're shaped and, and able to know what the will of God is for us. It's just as simple as that. John 15, 7, says, um, Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted because your words are Jesus' words at that point. If we remain or are a part of Jesus, our desires will be aligned with Jesus and therefore our prayers will be within his will. You can also pray scripture because we know it's true and we know it's within God's will. And there are prayers recorded throughout the Bible that Jesus prayed or other leaders prayed. Um, and you can pray those. There's a, if you look up apostolic prayers, it's the prayers of the apostles throughout scriptures. And there's tons of them and you can pray those prayers. And I wanna pray one with you right now because I think it's great. And it's Ephesians three sixteen through 19. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Isn't that an awesome prayer? Man, I, I hope you received that prayer into your life today. I was praying that into me this morning as I was going over my sermon, and man, there's some good things in there. And you know that God's gonna answer those prayers. The Another thing you have to do is you have to pray with faith. James 1:6 says, but when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. What would you pray if you really believe God wanted to answer your prayer, and you really believe that he would. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about. Also, your sins can be in the way of seeing answered prayers. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, some people read this or hear this and say, if you have sin in your life, God doesn't answer your prayers. And that is very untrue. That, that is not biblical. We're all here because God probably answered a prayer sometime while you were a sinner, right? Like this morning, okay? Um, and so that, that is not, everything that God does was for sinners. And so that, that is not how he operates. But often we begin to believe we don't deserve it because of our sin, And then that reflects in our faith on whether or not God will answer our prayers. But when we confess our sins, our struggles to another person, and we get it off our chest, it's easier to have full faith again. And finally, sometimes we just give up too soon. That last verse we just read, it says earnest prayers. It says effective prayers because they are earnest prayer of a righteous person. James continues after that in verse 17 and 18. He says, Elijah was as human as we are. Yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, None fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and earth began to yield its crops. James is referencing this story from 2 Kings chapter 18. Um, So we're going to look at those verses, just 42 through 44. It says, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. That is the proper position for praying. No, i kidding. Uh, But he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. And the servant went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go back and look. And finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising up from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab. Tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home because if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Even though he saw nothing, he prayed again and with faith sent his servant to look. And his servant came back, yeah, nothing there, seven times he sent it. And then at the smallest glimpse of something that maybe could be considered God answering his prayer, right? Because no rainstorm comes from a, a tiny cloud. But because of his faith, because of his earnest prayer, he believed and then just moved with faith. Sometimes we just need to be a little bit persistent to see God move, to be earnest. I think God's just looking to see how devoted we are. Do you actually really want that? Is your heart really desiring to see that? Because if it is, you're probably going to be persistent. So we're going to end with this today. And before we go, though, we're going to put this into practice. And every week, we're going to put something into practice because it's not good to learn about the basics and not do anything. And so in just a moment, I want you to partner up with one other person, preferably not your spouse or your best friend, somebody new to you would be great but I just want you to pray for them and so it's real simple ask what their needs are and then pray for that need right if they don't have anything pray for them because they're a liar um, but <laughs> not but but maybe just pray for them to for blessing for their general needs for health provision but when they're sharing what's going on really listen Right, don't think about, how am I going to pray for this? Okay, just listen. And then before you pray, take a moment to listen to God. And say, God, I know you have lots of thoughts about this person and about this situation. Do you want to share one with me? And listen for a moment. And maybe a picture will come to mind or a verse or a word or something specific to encourage them with. And if not, that's okay too. And then just pray a prayer in your language. That's simple for the needs of that person, you know, and then flip and pray for the other one, okay? So ready, go. If you're praying for someone, you can go ahead and keep praying, but I'm gonna pray to just dismiss everyone so you guys can go about your day, but... God, we just, uh, it's just Generations Church. We're here, and we're just here to... Um, just connect with you again. I pray that you would help remind us to be in constant prayer and conversation with you as we go about our days this week. Um, Lord, would you just keep us in connection? Uh, Would we hear from you? And would you just remind us to spend time with you? We love you so much. We're so just thankful for how great you are and all the great things you do in our lives and that you're going to do. Um, In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go and remain in conversation with Jesus today.